Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. I want to just build your faith for just a, a few minutes, then we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to do something. You know, uh, when we have an anointing service, uh, there's a lot that we there's a lot that we want to achieve uh, in our own strength. There's a lot that uh, we can do on our own, but I, I do believe the anointing of God uh, makes a difference. The anointing is that supernatural force of heaven. It's that supernatural power of heaven that comes upon our life that gives us the power to get the job done and to do what God has called us to do. And You know, uh, Christianity, I, I believe to serve God as a Christian without the anointing is to serve God in our own strength. And when we serve God in our own strength, some of us might say it's a, you know, it's a, why do that? It just makes it harder. But can I, can I just take that a step further? Uh, doing the things of God in our own strength actually creates three problems in our life. And, and I was just preparing this and this is what just came into my heart, you know, to, to do Christianity in our own strength is really tantamount to saying we don't need God, which is humanism. For man to say they have no need of God is humanism. But when we're saying that our own ideas and our own ways are worthy in and of themselves, that's actually idolatry because suddenly we become the God of our own life. And another thing that operating without the anointing, which is the presence, the power, the touch of God, the means of heaven, is that we're doing things our way rather than doing it God's way. And Bible calls that rebellion, which goes on to say that it's the sin of witchcraft. And I, I don't want to get into, into anything condemnatory or anything like that. But what I do want to say is uh, doing things in our own strength, it's overrated. Uh, we'll never get the job done. We'll never fulfill what God's called us to do. Yet he, he gives us this thing called, this, and, and I don't even like the word thing, but it's just, it isn't God. The anointing is, is, is the is the stuff that God uses. It's, it's, it's the force that accompanies the power of God. It's, the, it's that presence. It's that, it's that thing that gets on your life when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says, when I come upon you, you receive power. That abiding power is the anointing of God that comes upon your life and causes you to do supernatural things. But what we've got to understand is our own strength is not our best helper. In fact, our own strength will be our own undoing. And I look at the words in, that we find in the book of Zechariah 4, 6. And the word came to Zerubbabel saying, not by might, it's not by our might. It's not by our power, but it's by His Spirit, says God. See, Zerubbabel and, uh, and, and Zechariah, they, 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 they had a dream to rebuild the temple of God. The temple was in tatters, and they wanted to do something during the worst economic crisis uh, that the Israelites have ever faced. They'd been pillaged, they'd been destroyed, and he wanted to do something for God, and there was no way in the natural that it could be done. And the word came, it's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. In other words, how is this going to happen? By the Holy Spirit. I remember when about maybe eight or nine years ago, Ash Hamilton uh, told me to listen to a podcast by a preacher by the name of Jensen Franklin. And he preached this simple message. Uh, basically, it was called, How the Holy Ghost. Whenever there's a problem, how's God going to do it? The Holy Ghost. And he says, for every how, there's a Holy Ghost. And right here, how are we going to rebuild the temple? The Holy Ghost. Mary said it to Jesus. When Jesus, uh, went, sorry, to the angel. When the angel said to Mary, you're going to conceive and have a baby. She said, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, she said, how? 
He said the Holy Ghost. For every how you have, there's a Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Spirit gets involved in your life, He releases the anointing of heaven, which is that divine, supernatural, mysterious thing that'll take an average person and cause them to change the world. It'll take someone who, who maybe life has passed them by as far as popularity or influence or, or whatever it may be. But God sees something. He says, I want to put my anointing on you. And when God puts His anointing on you, what He's doing is it's a, it's a setting apart by the Holy Spirit. So when, when, when you look through Scripture, when people were anointed with oil, they were set apart. They were set apart for the work of God. I believe every one of us are set apart to do something for the kingdom of God. And tonight, we're going to lay hands on people and we're going to anoint you with oil according to the word of God. And, and I believe when that happens, the power of God's going to touch people. Man, I'm excited about that. Uh, some of you that never prayed in tongues before, I just believe your motor's going to get going and you're going to Rondai Shondai all the way home in the name of Jesus. But when God anoints something, He sets it apart and it's holy. You know, the high priest... When they were, I guess, appointed, there would be a time where that high priest was anointed, set apart. And he had access to go to places that normal followers of God couldn't go. But because the anointing of God had come upon him, he, he got to go to places, the holy places of God. When the anointing of God comes on you, there's no place that you can go. You can go as deep as you could ever imagine in the things of the presence of Almighty God. The, when kings were raised up and, 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 and enthroned, they'd anoint kings, they'd lay hands on them and God would do something. And it was also a way of the prophets saying, this is God's man. When David was anointed king, we all know Samuel looked for uh, a king. God spoke to him. He went to the house of Jesse of Bethlehem and, and, and looked at all the sons. There was Shammah and there was his brothers and, and they're all much mightier than he was. He was out tending uh, the sheep and playing the harp. He was a weird person, uh, a harpist, a shepherd. It's not a common combination, but David was doing what God called him to do. And, Jesse, uh, and Samuel said to Jesse, is these all your sons? And there was a son, David, who his father did not even recognize as being worthy to present to the prophet. But he saw something on David and he began to pour the oil. And you know, the way we do oil tonight, is going to be nice. It's just going to be a little dabble, do you? You know, But in those days, you would be drenched from head to toe. It would run down and it would get on you. And when the prophet did that, it was a statement that that person is anointed by God for the task ahead of them. And do you know the beautiful thing about living in today, post-Calvary and post the day of Pentecost, is you and I are all candidates for God's anointing. It's not just one. It doesn't rest on one or, or, or a significant other. Sure, God anoints you to do certain things and your anointing and my anointing might look different. But there's a task ahead of you. God's anointed us to be kings and priests and He anoints us kings and priests by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, I'm, I'm so enjoying sharing this and I, I want to show you something. I've never shared what I'm about to share before in my life. There's one part of it that I have, but this is all uh, just stuff that God's been showing me. But I want to I just read a scripture to you, to you, Exodus Chapter 30, verse 22 through 30, and God's speaking to Moses about beginning day of the whole process of anointing and anointing oil. And this is what he says. He says in verse 22, Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh. The myrrh uh, we heard about this morning, Pastor Keith preached a great, great word, how it prepared Jesus for burial, and it was an, an embalming uh, an embalming spice, and, and, but, but we'll talk about this in a moment because some of you weren't here. And, and he said, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon. I love that. I love cinnamon. Let's go on. He says, 50 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, 
according to the shekel of the sanctuary and a hymn of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all of its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them. They'll be set apart. From that moment, they'll be holy. Can't play around with them after that. The ark of the covenant, one person touched it the wrong way. He was just trying to steady it. And when he touched it, he died. Because the thing, you don't touch it. There was a process. It was holy. It was set apart. God wants to set people apart and your calling's holy. It's beautiful. And God wants to set you apart for kingdom purpose. And and he goes on to say, uh, you shall consecrate them that they be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. You know, the way the oil was made, and the way the oil was applied in the Old Testament was so, God was so, well, He was so precise that if you stepped out of that formula and stepped outside of the method of applying the anointing oil that Jesus instilled, you would die. It was a biblical offense that would bring death into your life. I mean, the anointing of God is not a, it's not a game. Uh, can, I, can I say this to me? And you might be a visitor and you might have been in Pentecost a long time in charismatic circles and you've seen altar calls, you've seen the spirit move and you get casual. Can I remind you that it is actually a holy thing? When people uh, come to the altar to get hands laid on them, sometimes we judge what's happening by their physical reaction to the presence of God. Can I say, we've got to to look so far beyond it that our eyes are on Jesus uh, because He wants to touch you. And and sometimes we're so uh, focused on what's happening in the scene that we're not realizing that what's meant to be uh, happening in the unseen is more important. And God wants to fill people with His Spirit and He'll touch you at your point of faith. You might, see, for me, I... I experience God in all kinds of ways. But for me at an altar call, someone prays for me. More often than not, I'm on the ground. I'm on the floor under the anointing of God. But do you know these people in here? It might not be their MO. They're more of the standing type. But God will touch them and you'll see them weep or you'll see the presence of God. Come on, see people on their knees, see people. And I'm not trying to even, just so you, you realize, I'm not trying to sow a seed to let you know, okay, when we pray, you've got to react a certain way. I, it's not even about that. I, I, I care about what happens the moment you come in contact with the presence of God, that there's an impartation of the power of God and, and God will do something in your world by His Spirit. But He goes on and talks about the ingredients of, of, this, of this anointing. And I just want to have a look at them with you for, for one minute, if that's all right. He talks about liquid myrrh. Somebody say myrrh. Myrrh. He, he, myrrh was used, as Pastor Keith said this morning, to prepare bodies for burial. But to get its beautiful sweetness, you had to crush it. Myrrh speaks of death. And there's no anointing without death. And if you want to know the anointing of God, you've got to realize that it was through His death that we can experience the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And here's here's another thing that happens when the anointing comes on you. It causes us to die to ourselves. I I, I feel like there's so many decisions we make day day to day, day to day. And we're the self-governors of our own life. And we're not saying, Lord, is this, is this your will? Lord, is this what you want for my life? I, I, I tell you, it's so important, church, that we don't just 
be our own self-governing body that we'll just do whatever we want to do. And I'm not saying you should just do what the church tells you to do. But you certainly should listen to the anointing of God. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let Him speak into your heart and be led. Die to yourself. I, I, I can tell you that, that that's one of the hardest things that I have to do. But I can tell you when I'm in the presence of God, it's amazing how my priorities start to adjust to become the priorities of heaven. In the name of Jesus. Does anyone sense God's presence in here tonight? I feel the goodness. I feel the goodness of God. Let's let's go on. The, the second thing he said, you need to get in this oil that we're going to make, this holy anointing oil. We need some sweet-smelling cinnamon. You say that five times real fast. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Sweet-smelling cinnamon by the seashore. He said, now cinnamon was used for flavoring and it gave off a, a pleasant smell. And they'd use it in the tabernacle. And, because really it would cover the smell of the dead animals that were used in the sacrifice and and the fact that you put an animal on the altar you've got a barbecue right there you know and and so it's gonna there's gonna be a smell of flesh and death is what i'm trying to say and and so jesus uh sorry god speaks to moses and says you need to get you need to get cinnamon in this stuff because cinnamon represents the sweetness of jesus the sweetness of god can i tell you as christians sometimes we get crusty you know maybe no one in this room but me, I get crusty. And, and sometimes your walk with God just gets a little bit, not where, not where it ought to be. When the power of the Holy Spirit, when that touch of heaven comes upon your life, you know the sweetness of Jesus. And it just lifts your spirit into the place that God's called you to be. I don't know about you, but I didn't want to finish this. I just want the anointing of God on my life. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your presence. And the third thing he talks about, he's, he says, uh, you've, got to, you've got to put a spice called cassia in. Now, cassia, you can only get it. It will only grow at elevations of 8,000 feet above sea level and above. You know, it's a picture that the anointing of God, firstly, takes us into the higher things of God, the deeper things of God. I, I am convinced and, and I, I say this, I say it with humility, but I say it without apology that I don't believe that you can know the fullness of God in your life unless you come in contact with the anointing. I know too many Christians that know God through His Word only. I'm not saying it should be Word or Spirit. It never should be divided. It should always be Word and Spirit. And one's as important as the other. And, and, and people go, but if you had to choose one, I, I don't have to choose one. Because God's an incarnate God. Our Christian life is full of, the, uh, of things that go together. They're indivisible. They're hand and glove. And, and the power of God uh, shouldn't allow us to be uneducated, ill-informed Christians. But God, let us not be so educated that we've outsmarted the Holy Spirit. I, I remember uh, one time in a science lesson, we dissected a frog. We chopped that thing up and we learned about frogs and whatever. But you know, the thing that struck me is we learned a little bit about it, but that frog was dead for the rest of his life, was never going to recover from that, that, that dissection. And you know, often we become dissectors of the things of the Spirit. Can I tell you, you're going to learn so much more about a frog by watching it alive in its habitat just see it doing its life rather than doing a post-mortem let's see how its body works there's so much more to learn about the spirit of god by seeing him move and touch hearts and touch lives than there is by saying okay this is why that happens that's why this happens you know the bible says to have a childlike faith it doesn't mean be childish but have a childlike faith where we're humble before god and we say god we just want everything 
you've got. I don't know. I, I have been in church my whole life. I still, I still leave meetings and I go, wow. Wow. Isn't God awesome? Isn't God incredible? I, that's awesome. I'm still impressed by Jesus. I'm still in love with him. He still floods my heart. and I want to be like a new Christian, you know, where every sermon I hear, that's the best sermon I've ever heard, even if it's mine. I do. I want to, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be just like I was the day I got saved. Maybe, maybe we've got to get back to a place where we can say, you know what? I've just never got over getting born again. I'm still, I'm still ruined. I'm still, I'm still in love with Jesus. You know, I'm talk, can I talk to our leaders for a minute here in the church? As leaders, it's so easy for you to sit in a meeting like this and go, yes, it's good that the people are hearing this truth. God help us. Leaders need the anointing more than they Leaders get under the anointing. Can I tell you, 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 I'm not a perfect man. I'm not the perfect pastor. But I can tell you one thing. In the, in the 13 or 14 years that I've been a pastor and a preacher. I've never lost my hunger for the things of God's Spirit. I've never lost my hunger for the anointing. I've made a fool of myself in meetings. I've, I've run around churches. I've split trousers. I've, I've been on the floor. I've laughed. I've cried. I've been, and can I tell you, I've never got to a point where I'm over it. I'm still, I still want the Holy Spirit. I, I want the Holy Ghost. I want the fire of God to touch my life. I, I, you know, I, I went to Narico earlier this year with Daniel Sodom and we drove up and, and I got to speak in, in Dan Probert's dad's church and they have a great church up there in Narracourt. It is a great church. It's, a, it's almost like God lives there. If he was to move to South Australia, he seems to live there. And so, but I remember going in there and, and, uh, and I walked into, into the room and they had some speakers there and the presence of God was all over them. They greeted Dan at the door and Dan fell out under the power of God. And you know something, my first thought was, we've got we to keep this together. And then my second thought was, this is awesome. It's awesome that we've got some rainmakers in the church that know how to pull on heaven and get the tough. Some of us, can I tell you, there is a lost art in the church of drinking. I mean, we're good at drinking in the natural. Some of you are too good at it. Maybe you need to put that one down and drink in the spirit for a while because do you know something? Some of us, we don't know how to yield to the anointing and get touched and get filled. But we just go, okay, God, some of us, we're at the altar and we've got it all figured out. And we just stand there and God, if you can be bothered, whatever. I've never gone to God. If you can be bothered, I go to touch the hem of his garment and say, I'm drawing on, on the power of God because I want something in my life in the name of Jesus. The, the anointing of God uh, will take you higher. And then all of those ingredients were mixed with olive oil. And oil is always a symbol. It's always a picture of the Holy Spirit all through the Bible. The oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the principal factor in the anointing of God. When God anoints, that is an outpouring of His Spirit. You know when when the anointing of God is, uh, sorry, when anointing oil was made for the temple. Now, this is what you've got to understand. And this is, I have shared this in a morning service before. They squeeze, they crush the olive four times. It's a picture of Jesus. The word Gethsemane means to be crushed. So what happened to Jesus in the garden was the physical Jesus was crushed. So we would have the anointing in our life. Treat the anointing as so precious. 
It's so holy. Church, you've got, there's a lot of things we preach and teach. There's got to be, please, please God, help our church. Help us be people who respect the anointing of God, who respect it, put weight to it, and realize it's not a game. It's heaven. It's heaven's power and heaven's grace. And, and so when they made it olives, uh, the olives would stay on the branch until readiness, which I tell you, oil comes to us when we stay connected to the vine, and that's Jesus. And then they would start to bang those bang those branches. The olives would fall off, and they'd separate from the branch, and they'd get into a basket, and then they'd be placed in a press, and they would be pressed four times with a massive wooden stone or wood stone wheel, uh, and it would crush them four times until there was nothing left of the olive. Even it was just oil, and so basically the first round was quality. Then the next round was still pretty good quality. The third round was okay. That, and they got the last that they could get out of that oil by crushing the olives four, four times. But there's typology in that. The first time, the time the oil is pressed, firstly, you've also got to know that the holy anointing oil was always used for the first time. So the first press was always for anointing oil, not for food, not for... It speaks of, speaks of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the presence and the power of God. The second press of oil was for lamps in people's homes. It was for our vision. The anointing is about the presence of God, but it's also about vision in our life. But notice the Bible puts an emphasis on Him before even our purpose. I think sometimes we try and get our own purpose and attach God to it. I want to encourage you to put God first and, and attach our purpose to what God's doing in our life. The third press was for cooking, it's provision. The anointing of God will bring provision into your life. You might say, well, that, that's sacrilegious. You can't compare my finances to the anointing of God. Of course I can. The Ark of the Covenant came to the home of Obed-Edom. They just said, can you store the Ark of the Covenant, which spoke of the presence of God. And Obed-Edom became a millionaire overnight. Blessing came into his house. People came to his house to just come under the blessing that was there purely because the anointing, the presence of God was there. I need to store that at my house. Maybe if you get the presence of God in your house, you watch what God can do. Another thing the anointing does, the fourth press was for medicinal purposes and for making and for making soap for healing and cleansing. What is the what what, what is in the anointing? In the anointing is the presence and power of God. In the anointing is vision for your future, for the call of God, for the destiny God has for you. For provision and blessing in your life and for healing, cleansing, deliverance, the power of God. There's a lot in this oil. There's a lot in the oil of God. And so tonight what we're going to do, we're going to anoint people with oil and we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to believe that God is going to flood your life and do something supernatural in your world. I I don't know about you, but I, I take this stuff so, so seriously. I, I, I believe there's holy things. The blood of Jesus is holy. The waters of baptism are holy. The elements that we partake of in communion are holy. I believe anointing oil is holy. And it's a symbol, it's a type of the Holy Spirit. And tonight we're going to worship the Lord for just a few minutes. Ian, I'm going to pray for you tonight and anoint you with oil. I mean, we're going to anoint everyone with oil, but I'm going to believe that healing's going to touch your body and this thing's going to go in the name of Jesus. And we're going to take dominion and that you would live a long life whole by the power of God and that the plans of the evil one would be broken in the name of Jesus because the power of God is real. And, and I, I, tell you, I tell you right now, we, we as the children of God, never, never, never buy, I'm just chatting a little bit, but never buy into this whole thing. 
that, that, that healing, well, if it's God's will. That's just nonsense. That's what people with no faith say. That's what people with bad theology say. The will of God's to heal. He says, I will to heal. He, he says, by my stripes, you are healed. I mean, it's the word of God. Anything less than that is not, not, not we, we, got, we can't settle for less than that. Never let our experience define theology. Never let our experience change our view on what the Bible says. Let's let what the Bible says change our experience. I, I feel like God's going to do something in the house. Are you hungry tonight? Come on, why don't we stand to our feet? Why don't we raise our hands to heaven? And I want to just say this, 1 John 2, 27 says this, but the anointing which you've received from him abides in you. It abides in you. The anointing which you've received from him. And can I tell you, one of the ways the anointing comes is through the laying on of hands. Paul said to Timothy, I remind you, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you, which you received through the laying on of my hands. And, and tonight I'm believing gifts are going to be unlocked and I'm going to release some of our pastors and leaders to pray and and uh, there's a few too many of us just to, for me to do it myself, but I'll give that to Ash and Dan. There we go. Uh, Pastor George, you can have the big one because you'll have the biggest line. You're the most popular. Uh, Pastor Keith, Pastor Lydia, how are how we doing? And, and Layla, you can just come and grab some of mine and we'll just move through and pray. And we're going to believe God. I don't know how we're going to do this. It's going to be messy. But why don't we just get out of our seats if you want prayer. Just come to the altar. Can we just make room for Ian to come first so we can pray for him? We'll just bring him right here. And maybe our pastors will just pray for him first. And we'll anoint him with oil according to the word of God. And believe that God's going to totally deliver you from this thing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Church. Can I say, he really needs a miracle from God. Stretch your hands out. Pray in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, be made whole by the power of God. If you can pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Jesus, it's broken in. We break the power of this thing.